I'll tell you, today is one of those days where I just see through the three readings such a, just a wealth, a wealth of, of insight into our relationship with Christ and what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And really, you can kind of put it together with three phrases, three readings. Take, take with you today three phrases. The first is the one from Jeremiah, who starts out by saying, Lord, you duped me, you tricked me, and I allowed myself to be duped. I have at times used that as the beginning line of a, cere- a sermon at a marriage. Young couple sitting up there, and I quote Jeremiah, Lord, you duped me, and I let myself be duped. They don't laugh, but everyone else has been married more than two days begins to laugh. Because we enter into so many things with an idea of what they're going to be, and then we think, oh wait, this is not what I thought. Now we know that God cannot trick us. God doesn't dupe us. He only deals in truth. But sometimes his actions to us may seem that way because we assumed that our life would be a certain way. We assumed something about God that was not true. And I was trying to come up with an image and I read something this morning that kind of gave me the right idea of what I mean here because what, what I want to try to convey to you is the, the deepest inner dynamic of what's happening in moments when we choose grace over sin or sin over grace, in moments of temptation. What's there when we make very profound decisions in our life? What's at the heart of what it means to be faithful to our commitments of love? The commitments of love that we choose and the commitment of love that God calls us to. For example, love of the poor, love of justice in the world, And so what is at the heart of that? Why did Jeremiah say, Lord, you duped me and I let myself be duped? Because he was surprised. But maybe he shouldn't have been, but he was. And the image I want to use is that of an obstetrician, a doctor, who's who's there at the birth of a child. And so the child is all comfortable, nice and warm in there, likes where where he is. And all of a sudden he gets pushed out, or she gets pushed out into the world that's foreign, completely different, crying. You know the old picture, the doctor slapped the baby. I don't think they do that anymore, but they probably don't anymore, but they slapped the baby. You think, wow, what, what an entrance into the world. And this little baby, if you could say it out loud, say, what the heck are you doing here? You are certainly not my friend. You know, you're an evil person. Put me back, put me back. I want to go back where I was. But of course, we all know that this is just the next step in the continuation of this child's life that will bring it to fulfillment. And at the moment, it looks so wrong, and yet we know it is so right. Oftentimes, we cannot see where we're going, but God can see where we're going. And it looks like God is tripping us up, fooling us. And yet, we're called to be faithful to him. And in those moments, we are asked to do what he he tells us about in the gospel. We are being asked to pick up our cross and follow him. And this is seen most clearly, I think, in commitments of love, marriage, friendship, parent to child, child to parent. Moments when we are living our life and we all of a sudden are called upon to make good on our commitment of love. 
to live our life as a married couple and a family in a certain way, and we're fulfilling all of our goals, and all of a sudden, something strikes the family in a, in a very hard and difficult way. Maybe it's an illness in the family, maybe it's loss of a job, maybe it's a, a sudden under, unexpected um, loss or need to spend lots of money on something. Everything just gets turned upside down. Maybe it's temptations that are invading the marriage. But all of a sudden there's this moment when we know we have to give more, more than we were planning to give. And we know it's more because we know to do this thing, we're going to let go of some things. We can't do this and keep our golf game. We can't do this and keep hunting. We can't keep this and keep playing tennis. We know that something's going to have to be pushed aside in order for us to be faithful to this. Or our whole life is going to change if we really stop to take care of parent or take care of this child that's ill. Those moments we fight against that. We're angry at God. Why? Why are you messing me up? Why are you? Things are going so well. I have this, maybe a good example of this is a, a moment I, experience I had with a person in counseling many, many years ago. And she came in, she'd been married for maybe 15 years. And she said to me, she said, I'm just angry. I'm frustrated. I'm mad at my husband, no matter what he does. I'm mad at my children, no matter what they do. I'm mad at the, our house. I don't know, I just hate everything about this. And I said, well, do you love your husband? Yes, I love my husband. I love my children. I don't know why I feel this way. And then suddenly, as we talked, it became clear that she was fighting within herself because she always dreamed by this time in their, her life, these things would have happened. She would have had this kind of house. They would have had this kind of security. They would have had this number of children. She, by this time, she would have traveled to Europe before she got pregnant for their first child, which didn't happen. Traveled to Europe as they planned to do. All these things that she dreamed was gonna happen were simply not happening, and she was getting to the point of knowing that they were not going to happen. And she was fighting, she was angry that this was not happening. And I told her, which she knew the answer already, you need to let go of what you thought this would be, what you hoped you would be able to do, what you thought your life would be like. You need to die to it, grieve it, let it go, so that you can be free to fully love the life that you have chosen and the life that God has given you. That's what Jeremiah had to do, accept what God called him to do, and take on all of the opposition that he felt so he could be free, free to love, free to love. And so often in our lives, we are that way. We, we are called by God in these difficult times to go deeper in love, to give more. A lot of times this is why we turn away from getting involved. It's like the lady, little, maybe a little old lady down the street, her grass is growing, and your wife says to the husband, go down there and mow her lawn. Goes, no, I'm not gonna do that. Go ahead and do it, it's just gonna take 20 minutes. And so he goes down and does it, and he mows it. Oh, and she's, such a, she's so excited. She comes out, gives us some iced tea. Oh, here's some iced tea. Thank you for mowing my lawn. I just needed the help. I don't have anyone to help me. Oh, and by the way, my back door is creaking and needs to be fixed. 
And he goes, okay, here it comes. Because he knew, he knows when you step out in love, it's a slippery slope. It just, you just keep, keep, keep getting pulled in. And we resist that. And yet, why should we? Jesus told us that love will demand us our very dying. We're called, to, and in the gospel he says, pick up your cross and follow me. And so why should we be surprised? This is at the heart of the gospel. Every time we reject sin, we turn away from what seems easy, turn away what seems pleasurable, turns away from those things that are self-centered, to turn to something that looks hard and, and not right away giving us any joy and seems to be very other-centered. And yet God says, that, trust me, step into this. Because until you are birthed into this new get way of giving, you're birthed into embracing my cross more deeply, you're never going to know the joy that is yours when you free yourself to love. And when you're free, you, so many other good things can happen. And you won't be fighting the responsibilities, you'll be embracing them. You say, well, if I embrace them, I have to let go of so much. Yes, you do but you don't understand how much you will receive if you can free yourself from fighting against that giving, fighting against that, that desire to go back to that, let that pleasure always haunt you. Let go of it so you can be free. So remind us, sometimes we'll feel duped. That's the first thing we remember from the first one. But we're not being duped. We're being ushered into a deeper understanding, a deeper commitment where God brings us more alive. And that means picking up our cross. Dying with Christ, we can rise with him. And the line to remember from the second one is this. Do not conform yourself to the present age, but rather be transformed. That's the key, right? That we go our way, we're simply conforming. We're creating a world in which we're conforming to all the pressures around us, all the things around us that feed us and make us comfortable. We're not growing, but when we follow the way of the Lord, which can be a crucible of love at times, he says, follow my way and you will be transformed. And that's not easy to burn off the chaff so that the good grain remains. And so let us pray today that as we go through our life that we're not afraid, that we don't put suffering before joy. We put suffering before joy. I, I, I was reading something that said that, um, saint, well, he's not a saint yet, but um, Fulton Sheen said that the wise man says you put suffering before joy. The fool says you put joy before suffering. And the fact is, that's the way it is. Those who suffer for love find a deeper joy. Those who joy first oftentimes suffer in a way that's not very helpful and not very freeing. It's the result of that selfish living. Also, it's something to think about is this. If our life is really comfortable and nice, there is no challenge, there is no struggle, we might think to ourselves, what am I missing? We might say, well, I'm not a masochist, but the gospel challenges us to be growing in love. Where am I growing in love? Maybe I'm missing something, turning away from something that I need to hear so that I can be transformed in growing in this sacrificial love. So today, let us, when we get in those moments when we think we're being duped and fooled by God, 
stop a moment and think, this is not a trick. This is an invitation to grow deeper into the mystery of dying and rising with Jesus. Let us then have the courage to pick up our cross. Whatever it is, it's going to be different for all of us. And walk that way. And then do so, not trying to conform ourselves to this age, but asking God to transform us so we will see that our cross is not heavy at all. That's that that interesting reading. Jesus says, you know, um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke is what an animal has over its shoulders. And they say that when the yoke fits the animal, it really decreases the, the, the load. It helps them carry it maybe almost making it feel light. When we begin to embrace what we consider at first a burden as an invitation to love, it's not easy, believe me, it's not easy. But it, in a sense, frees us that we might be able to carry that burden now, not as a burden, but as it is an invitation to deeper joy. Now, some of the people are saying right now, oh, believe me, you don't know what my life's like. I mean, it's really bad. Okay, well, I think this is the path out. It's not, not trying to go around a problem. Oftentimes, we have to go through it. May God bless us in this journey, and may we all this week grow in some ways by embracing Christ's cross a little bit more so we might embrace eternal life a little bit more as well. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at Christ the King is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit www.ctklsu.org.